Welcome to the Sunday Morning Podcast from Kingdom Faith Church in Burgess Hill. This message is by Kevin Vanderput. Welcome, good morning, Kingdom Faith, Burgess Hill. I brought a chair today. I thought, um, yeah, that's it, yeah. I'd do a Pastor Clive, bring a chair over. Um, don't know, I thought maybe it would be more relaxed. I always make fun of him when he's frustrated about the, the thing balancing and stuff. Now that it's my turn and I see it balancing, I'm like, oh, maybe he's got a point. Anyways, how's everyone doing? Good? Great. Great. Um, anyone follows tennis at all? Yes? No? A bit? Anyone know of this woman named Naomi Osaka? She's... I believe number two in the world right now and she's this very young girl and she's won a few grand slams and she's doing very well for herself and um, she's just released uh, well she's released Netflix released a documentary about her um, like a few episodes just following her around and uh, you know what I was watching that yesterday and I thought she's got everything she's ever dreamt of but she is so lonely if anything that was highlighted to me wasn't the fame, wasn't the big house, wasn't how hard she trains. She trains really hard. I mean, I guess they all do. But you think, oh, it's like you celebrate, you won, but the next day you're back on the court and you're repeating the same movement again and again. And, you know, she sacrificed everything to get to that place. And you see her traveling from one place to the other. Her family can't go everywhere with her, obviously, because they have a life. And it's inc- it just looks so lonely. Um, and, and that's just what came out to me in that, in that documentary. I thought, I don't know if I'd want to be her, really. I'd want to have people I care about around me. I want to have, I need relationships, right? And um, at the same time, this week, I read this article that um, was called Epidemic of loneliness, and it kind of tied in with this uh, documentary, just like everything was about loneliness, right? And uh, the title is not really charming, really. It's by this famous, it was on this um, famous newspaper's website. Um, And I'll just read you some highlights from that um, article so that we all kind of on the same page. It says, young people are in danger of becoming alienated, alienated. Yeah, something like that. From the communities. I practiced yesterday. I said it right, but it's okay. From the communities with the pandemic contributing to an epidemic of loneliness among people under the age of 35. So this think tank did this whole survey thing and it highlights a worrying decline in neighborliness and a collapse of community among younger generations. Around one in five of 18 to 34 years old say they have one or no close friends. Triple the number of people who said the same thing in 2011 and 2012. Now, I find that so sad, alarming. Around one in five of 18 to 34 years old say they have one or no close friends. Triple the number compared to 2011. That goes up fast. Um, they found out that historical trends were inverting with older generations now typically having more close friends compared to younger groups. The report found that a loss of trust uh, was there among young people as they appear around half as likely 
to say that they think people are trustworthy as they were 60 years ago. So they don't trust people, essentially. <laughs> Young people between 18 and 24 are more likely to distrust their neighbors, 48%, than trust them, 35%. And three times more likely not to trust their neighbors than people over the age of 65. How crazy is that? You haven't even met the people, but you already have this sense of distrust about them. This younger generation is also half as likely to speak to their neighbors, with third less likely, with a third sorry less likely to borrow exchange favors from them as they were in '98. And so they describe the, these figures and they say it's a big paradox because young people today live in the most socially conscious generation in recent history, but they are also the least socially attached to networks of relationships. And so this trust, not only in neighbors, but in family, is declining at a much faster rate among younger generations than older ones since 2018. It's, the numbers were, like, worrying to me. I thought, oh, that's so sad to think that most people around my age today have no friends and don't seem to do anything because if you wanted relationship, and I'm sure they want it in some way, but you try to build relationship with your neighbor or talk, but there is such an epidemic of loneliness around, apparently. Now, here's the funny thing. Well, it's not really funny, but alongside this phenomenon of loneliness and this collapse of community, as they've titled it, studies have been showing for years now that humans really need about four things to feel happy, for this happiness to be around in their lives. And so there's studies that have been done for, for years about it, and they've concluded that it's those four things. One, a few close friends. Everyone needs a few close friends. People that they feel safe with, that they can be honest with, that they can take the masks off with, um, that they don't have to put on a show for them. Uh, second, a nuclear family, uh, brother, sister, mom, father, grandparents, extended family. Three, fulfilling work. Now, regardless of the type of work, it's something that they feel good about at the end of the day, that they feel like they have contributed to something bigger than themselves. And fourth, a theology or philosophy, something to help them make sense of life, but more importantly, of death and suffering, which seems to be the one that really gets people um, asking questions, etc. Now, can you see the contrast between those two things? It's interesting because although people know and realize that they need relationships, they need people around them, right, to flourish, to feel happy, the world is still going down this path of further and further isolation, further and further, based on what we've just seen, unhappiness. Now, can you track back, can you trace back a point in your life where you thought, I could not have gone through this without people around me, without having this friend or this person or my parents. I could not have gone through it without that. I was thinking about it, and I think a very simple one for me would have been secondary school, uh, where I didn't have loads of friends, but I had a few good, close friends friends and they made everything better whatever hardships there was along those years and you know everyone wants to feel included and be part of whatever to feel this, this need to belong at that age and i'm sure still today actually most of us feel that need and uh, those friends were there for me along whatever was happening and made it all easier so i really valued that 
Now, Jesus, obviously, if you were thinking, where is this going? When is Jesus coming in, right? Uh, it's, it's church after all. Um, if, if, if Jesus has one thing to say about the whole thing, about relationships and community and friendship, here's what he's saying. One sentence, drop the mic moment. He says in John 13, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You, are also, you also are to love one another. By this, people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Now, we've been in this series called Jesus Said, right? We've looked at Jesus Said loads of things, and we've looked at some of them. And over the past two weeks, it was Jesus Said, be healed, and Jesus Said, heal the sick. Kind of, okay, it's for us, but it's also we want to heal others through us. And today, we're looking at Jesus Said, love one another. And really, uh, this love that Jesus talks about needs to be represented in us and through us in the world more than ever really is it funny isn't it funny that one of those taglines was the co- collapse of community in that article and what does what do church do they, they build communities right it's like we're going right against the trend which we shouldn't be surprised because at the end of the day we're not followers of the world but followers of jesus so as a church we want to build communities so the undertitle could be build building community today and so as I was triggered in my thoughts by the article and just the week was going by, I was reflecting on the last year slash 18 months and loads has, has been going on, loads of stuff, and it's been hard and it's been tough. But as I was thinking of our little community here in Kingdom Faith Bridges Hill, I thought, oh, it's also been good, you know? It's also been good for us because I think God has helped us realize more than ever that church is in a building. I mean, we knew that, but practically we were still very much relying on that church isn't building church is its people right it's a community it's relationship and through zooms or uh, phone calls or smaller hangouts to barbecues with the whole congregation we have grown i believe closer to one another as a community and i love that i love to hear you know uh, when i ask what's been going on i love to hear that you've been on the phone with one another that you've been stopping by each other's houses that you've called to pray with each other that's what church is supposed to be like and there's a, a beautiful chapter found in romans 12 in the bible that just highlights you know, how we should act towards one another. And it's quite long, but I really want to take the time to read it through. And you will know, you will pick on some of the verses because they're really famous. But I think it's just, yeah, it's just important that we take our time with it. So it says, For by grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought to, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Can you say one body? One body. We are one body in Christ. Now we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance to your faith. If it is serving, then serve. It is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Now a sidetrack here, important one as well. 
I love to see all your giftings expressed in the life of the church, in our relationships with one another. You know, some of you have that gift of encouragement. You're just so good at coming up to people and giving that word that, that boosts us up to keep going and keep doing that. Keep expressing those gifts that you have. You might not even realize you're doing it, but I love seeing it. Love must be sincere, it says in verse 9. nine. Hate what is evil cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in love. Can you say be devoted? Be devoted. We are devoted people. Honor one another above yourselves. Never lack any zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. That's another gift. And some of you are really good at hospitality. We come into your house and it's like we're in a hotel, five-course meal, everything. It's like we are so blessed. Blessed are those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Oh, bless those who persecute you, sorry. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Can you say Harmony. Harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Now it keeps going, but um, yeah, it's such a beautiful chapter really. And for some time now, we've heard Pastor Clive and others in the life of the church say, hey guys, it's not about Sundays, right? It's about the Monday to Saturday, meaning we have to look at how we live our lives, not just when we come to church, but just every aspect of it, that God wants to be involved in all of it. And even if there was no Sunday as this anymore, there would still be church because we are still here and we are still in relationship with one another. And hopefully God will be involved in those relationships, right? Uh, I trust that he is. And uh, so this chapter speaks of relationship and not really any relationship, but deep, meaningful, fulfilling relationships. And these are the relationships we want to have with one another. Now, there are three things that I want to pick out of this chapter. Uh, three points we're going to go through today that hopefully will be uh, helpful for you, for me, for everyone. One, be vulnerable. Can you say be vulnerable? Yes, we are there today. Now, there's this guy named Scott Peck. I didn't know who he was, but what he said was really good. I've looked up who he was. He's a famous psychiatrist, American, uh, born in the 30s. He's dead now, but it's okay. He said, there can be no vulnerability without risk. There can be no community without vulnerability. There can be no peace and ultimately no life without community. I thought, beautifully put. I couldn't have said it better myself. Now, we need vulnerability because to have community we need to be vulnerable and so we need to take risk right we need community we know we need relationship with one another and so in order to have that we need to be vulnerable now notice how in the romans chapter we just read it says not only to love one another but see you see words like harmony that i made you say out loud or devotion now in order to live in harmony live devoted to one another we cannot simply have surface level relationships right we need to go deep. We need to be able to share, talk, to be vulnerable with each other. 
knowing that we don't live in an environment of judgment and shame, but we live where we can be met by grace and love instead. So I want to encourage you to take that risk sometimes and be vulnerable, take the masks off, be honest. Whatever is going on around you or inside of you, the thoughts you have, maybe the fears, the challenges you're facing, we're here to share them together. Have you ever experienced like true grace and love? I often find that the moments where I remember it expressed in the best way was when I had to be really vulnerable, where I had messed up or I had to come clean about something. And I was sure I was going to be met by judgment. I was sure I was going to be met by rejection. And instead, I was met by love, by grace. And I think to this day, those are the moments I go back to when I think about what does God's love really look like for us? It says in James 5:16, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Now, I know this isn't a popular verse, right? Because who really wants to confess their sin to each other? Who really wants to go there? But what a sin really is probably the darkest, most, you know, hidden thing that there is in us, the things we don't want to talk about. And I think for me, it's not so much about sharing the sin in, at this point in, uh, that I'm trying to make, but it's about creating relationships that when it comes to that point, those relationships will be sustained. Those relationships will go on. We want to create an environment where such thing is possible. There's another verse that says, carry each other's burdens in Galatians 6.2. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. So we are there to help one another, to carry each other's burdens so that no one goes through it alone. So we want to create a community that is honest and vulnerable. I think we already have a community that is that to some extent. But there is always more uh, that we can grow into and take home. So relationships where, again, we can take that mask off. And it's not easy to do that. I know for myself, most of the time, when people ask how I am doing, it's like automatic. Before I even think about what I'm going to say, I hear these words come out. Yeah, I'm okay. I'm good. Thank you. How are you? You know? And it's like, actually, if I actually think, am I, am I actually doing good? How am I doing? And maybe shed out. Maybe I feel overwhelmed, angry. I feel fearful. And I'm allowed to, to say those things rather than, yeah, I'm good. Thanks. <laughs> and um, last week, quick example, um, Something happened at work, uh, and um, I was—I was really. It made me—it made me angry. I was—I was carrying some anger in my heart about that situation, and uh, I thought I'm going to go talk to this person. And essentially, my plan was to have a go. You know, <laughs> like, I'm just going to have a go at them because I don't think this is right. Um, and you know, I thought uh, actually, as I processed everything in my head, I thought, well, that's probably not the right way to go about it. So I took it home instead of bursting out. I prayed about it. I asked for forgiveness to God about this anger, this frustration, because I knew it wasn't right. And two days later, I was having a meeting, um, and it was about something completely different. And throughout the conversation, um, the subject kind of drifted, and it, it, it kind of brought in what I was angry about in the first place two days earlier. But the way it came out was now not of me having a go. It, was, it came out in this peaceful way. And we could actually talk honestly about 
what I was thinking, what the other person was thinking. Uh, and it was hard because I had to be really honest about what was going on in me because it brought up stuff in me. So I had to be vulnerable, but the outcome of the conversation was so good. I realized that I carried fears in my heart about certain things. And as a result of that fear, I want to control certain outcomes. You know, as humans, we like to be in control, right? Uh, don't tell me I'm the only one. Um, but uh, it, it, So it wasn't an easy conversation as such, but it was such a good one because it caused growth, hopefully in the person, but especially in me. Uh, and again, I was met in that conversation by grace and love rather than, whatever um, judgment that could have been there. And you know, vulnerability is messy. Like I admit that fully. We often quote Acts 2, right? Of the early church and how they were with one another and how amazing it was and truly it was. And we want to aim to be like that. They shared communion with each other around each other's tables. They were inviting one another in their house, living as one, being this close-knit community but we often forget Acts 3, 4, 5 or everything that follows in the life of the early church. And there was sin in the church and they had to deal with frustrations there. They had to deal with all of those things and conflict that happened between the church. So it was messy and it might be scary, at least it is sometimes for me, but it is good. The outcome is so positive and it creates greater closeness for all of us to one another. So let's be vulnerable. We might have some masks that fall off. Some of them are really heavy and we might feel lighter by the end of it, freer if that's a word as a result. So that's the first thing. We want to be vulnerable with each other as a community. Second, we want to pray for one another. That might, that might sound obvious and it's something that we're already doing. I loved last week when the response was get in a group, turn around, let's just pray with each other for these things. And I think it's beautiful. So we want to be faithful in prayer. The great things when it comes to church and Christians building relationship, it's not only the human factor that is in it, but actually we involve God. We bring the supernatural into our relationship, and that is key. Um, and so we were talking about healing, as I said, the past two weeks. And the most obvious way of healing is physical, right? We want to see healing of physical need, but there might be some other things that need some healing. It might be relationships, it might be emotional healing. Uh, and so we want to be there for one another, listen to one another, but also take the next step and bring it to God in prayer. Whatever the need, big or small, whatever it might relate to, we want to be a community that brings God into those conversations and that brings prayer to the conclusion of each of those conversations it says in Ephesians 6 18 that this is the message translation but I love the way it ends it says in the same way prayer is essential in this ongoing warfare pray hard pray long pray for your brothers and sisters keep your eyes open keep each other's spirit up so that no one falls behind or drops out Colossians 1.9 says, For this reason, since the day we've heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. See, sometimes as a person, we might not know what to pray for one another. You know, we might have, Josh might come and say, hey, Kevin, I need your help with something. Here's what's going on in my life. He's been vulnerable. He's pouring his heart out. 
And at the end, I might be like, oh, wow, okay, great, but I don't know what to do with that. I don't know what to pray in this situation. But this verse in Colossians is so good. What were they praying? We continually ask God to fill you with knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. Essentially, I don't have to pray the solution out. I just have to pray that God would be in the situation, that God would come to Joshua's help and make it happen, that God would give him wisdom and understanding of what is going on in that moment. And any of us can do that. So... We want to pray for one another. Prayer ties us together. It brings us closer in a different way than just quality, quality time does. So don't hesitate to ask for prayer, whatever the situation might be. We want to pray hard and long for one another, keeping our spirits up so that no one falls behind or drops out. And the end of that verse, falls behind or drops out, points out through my third point beautifully. We want to grow together. Verse 11 of that chapter 12 of Romans said, Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. See, as a community, we want to keep growing together in our relationships with one another, in our relationship with God, in wisdom and understanding of the word. We want to keep growing together. We're here to encourage one another to be each other's biggest fans, right? I want to be your biggest fan. I want to be there to cheer you on your journey with the Lord every step of the way so that no one gives up till the end of the race. And someone, sometimes we just need a pick-me-up, right? We, we feeling it's, it's tough, it's hard to take the next step, and, and I just need someone to, to come and and, and, you know, how you take someone around the shoulder to help them keep going. I just need someone to come and do that sometimes uh, myself. And so I want to be that person for you too. And we want to be those people to each other. And there's a beautiful relationship in the word that expresses that. It's one uh, between Paul and Timothy. Uh, Paul takes Timothy as his disciple, really, in life. Uh, Timothy does everything Paul does and, um, and is great. So he's mentoring him, really, and developing him and his gifts and calling. And in Philippians, actually, Paul says of Timothy, I have no one else like him. So it speaks, really, of the closeness of relationship they have. In his letter to Timothy, Paul says, he writes him instructions about all sorts of things. But the letter can is full of words of encouragement, of warning, of love, of appreciation. It speaks really of how deep their relationship is. And there's a famous passage in First Timothy 4 that we find. Um, and it's often used to speak to young people because it mentions young people. Uh, but I think there's just something in that passage. It says, command and teach these things. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young. But set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to preaching and teaching. Timothy, don't neglect your gift, which was given to you through prophecy when the body of elders laid their hands on you. Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. Watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them, because if you do, you will save both yourself and the ones who hear you. Now you can hear Paul's heart coming out in those verses. Keep going, Timothy. 
You know, don't give up. Devote yourself. You got this. Don't let anyone look down on you. You the man. You anointed. You gifted. You can do this. Here's what it is. We want to be each other's spiritual cheerleaders. If that makes any sense at all. It was good in my head. Spiritual cheerleaders. I like it. We want to cheer each other on when it comes to our spiritual walk with God. Thank you. I appreciate that, Trev. I appreciate that. He's my cheerleader right now. Yes, Trev. Give me a K. No, okay. (laughs) See, it might be anything, you know. Every one of us, as I said, goes through tough seasons, a tough time, and we need people that say, hey, I know it might be difficult to hear God at the moment, or I know this season has been going on for a long time, but don't give up. Just like Paul said to Timothy, don't give up. You got this. Keep on going. Because you will see the breakthrough. You will save not only yourself, but those who your life influence. And so these are really the three things that I felt God highlighting today. We want to be vulnerable. We want to be praying for one another, a praying community. And we want to be growing together so that no one falls behind. Um, And I think God is taking us on a journey where churches changing the way we do things is changing we're in a new season but certain things will remain and i believe that a close-knit community i believe that those three points will remain it's what church is about standing with one another so this week i want to give you a bit of a challenge um let's give you different levels of challenges so you can choose which one you want to do but Um, This week, I want to challenge you. Maybe have a phone call with someone that you might not call every week or every day. Like, my challenge can't be to call Sharon because, you know, I do that most times. I need her in my life. Sometimes I just call her because I don't know what I'm doing with myself. Um, So I need that. But I'm challenging you. Just have a call with someone you might not call usually. Just say, hey, how you doing? What's been going on? You know, can I pray for you in any way? This is the community we want to be. Maybe it's about inviting someone over for a meal or you inviting yourself in someone's house if it's easier. Hey, I'm coming over Thursday, 8 p.m. I want spaghetti. Um, No, don't do that. But um, yeah, just, you know, invite someone at home maybe. Uh, Take communion together, you know, pray together. Just don't share good food, but share, you know, a spiritual aspect. Bring a spiritual aspect into what you're doing. We want to be taking intentional steps every time. It doesn't mean that because we see in aspects of that, that we've got it all figured out. I know for myself, I need to challenge myself to keep taking the next step in that journey of what it looks like to really, truly love one another, to truly stand together, to truly be that person that comes around and and helps you along the way. So let's just pray, shall we? And then uh, we will... uh, give instruction as to what happens next father i want to thank you i want to thank you because you you're just so good and you as i was saying show us every step of the way you know exactly what you're doing in us and where you're taking us and father i pray that some of this would just stick to us like glue this week that we would really take on that challenge of being more like you you always had time jesus You always had time. You always made time for people. You were never in a rush. You went to eat to people's places. You built deep, meaningful relationships. 
People saw the way you lived and changed their behaviors as a result. Father, we want to be those people. We want to live our lives more and more like you every day so that as a result, people will be attracted to that lifestyle. We want to be that tight-knit community that we are to a certain extent already. We want to keep moving forward with that so that others might join into that community. Others that this article was talking about that feel lonely, that have no one, that have no friends, that this pandemic has been super hard on in terms of relationships. Father, we want to be that community to others where they can come in and feel at home, feel like they can be honest, vulnerable, feel like they have a place to belong. Father, show us what those steps are this week for each of us in our own life, in our own setting. In my own life, Father, show me what the next step is to be that person that love truly like you do. Father, I thank you for everything you're doing in us. And it's all for your glory. It's all for your purpose. It's so that your will is done here on this earth, here in Burgess Hill, as it is in heaven. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts, please visit www.kingdomfaith.com.